Glenn Christensen is a CPA and businessman who has been involved as a private citizen in trying to help education in Nevada. As the first leader of the LVGEA, the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, he found... 35% of the companies that aren't coming to Las Vegas aren't coming because of our education system or our workforce. So when I stepped down, I decided to start looking into that and see if there was a a place for me to perhaps uh, make things a little better. He noted that Nevada has a smaller college-educated population than a lot of other major states. Christensen was involved in the inception of Nevada State College. In 2016, he chaired the SAGE Commission, a legislative commission set up to look at the economic situation in public schools in Nevada. He's now chairman of the Leadership Institute of Nevada, which was spun off by Judy Steele from the Public Education Foundation and just hired former Valley Principal Ramona Esparza as his first executive director. He was the chair of the AB 469 Implementation Council, which caused a bit of controversy at the time as the Board of Trustees didn't actually approve that contract. He sees education from a different lens than educators do. I talked to him last week as part of my exploration of how the bureaucracy of the school district should work. We started off talking about the difference between Pat Skorkowski, whom Christensen worked with to implement the reorg, and Jesus Jara. That's an interesting question. Uh, I think both have a real passion for education. I'm not sure. I think Pat was uh, very much led with his heart in in these things. Uh, I applaud him for reaching out to the business community and on several occasions uh, asking our opinions about things. There was work actually performed. I would say that I'm a little disappointed in the actual execution of those recommendations. Uh, I, I see this a lot in dealing with uh, the educational community. It's what I... I had an early mentor that uh, used to call it a 95-yard dash ban. And those are the kinds of things that get right up to the edge but not not do it. Um, Jara, uh, I think he has a different approach than what Pat did with the uh, this whole concept of AB 469. Now, I chaired the uh, legislative committee called the uh, Community Implementation Council attempting to help the, the uh, district to implement AB 469. I don't think JAR ever claimed to be in support of it when he was hired, and you know, five years later, it's still not in place. Now, I, I, I actually feel sorry for him. The, the last couple of years, I don't know, how do you evaluate uh, a superintendent under the conditions that we had with, with COVID? That, that makes, uh, I think that's a real challenge. But I also am a strong believer in AB 469. I think that decisions are best made, especially in a district this large, at the building level. Um, and with those decisions, you have buy-in then, you know, hopefully from the teachers, the parents, the administrators, or the uh, support staff. Um, he would like, I think, more centralized control. And that's kind of been where it's gone for the last last few years. But I... I, uh, I think he's a very capable person. Uh, I admire him in a lot of ways. We just happen to disagree on that. I think that's a big disagreement. One of the things that I've been looking at, and then we're, we're getting to like why we're, we're sitting here talking, right? 
I feel like the board of directors isn't just the yes group. Here, check it off. Yes, absolutely. Whatever you want to do. Here you go, right? But I feel like their job is to come in and set the vision, right? And they could very easily say, our vision is to have a non-centralized school system where the power is shared with the schools and central in an environment where uh, everything is open and transparent. And we will focus on making sure that we have the best teachers working in the best conditions together. And then that will create better outcomes for students. Like we just say outcomes, you know, we just need student outcomes. And then, and then that leaves a lot open to how we get that, right? right? Student outcomes can mean graduating, but we know we graduate people who can't read. That isn't what happened. <laughs> right. Let's go back to the Community Implementation Council when you talk about uh, more decentralized governance uh, over the, the district. Uh, the trustees fought the Implementation Council tooth and nail for a, a, a year. They drug their feet. They told us we were wrong. Uh, I mean, it was, we got practically nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the contract expired at the end of the year, they continued to ignore it to the point where today, at the, see the last uh, Department of Education meeting or the one before, uh, the Board of Education threatened them with, you know, maybe we should be bringing in a receiver. All right. So, that, none of those things that you mentioned were happening. The other thing that I would point out is uh, it's, th- I think the job of the trustees is to provide oversight for, and, and as you say, vision. Um, but I think in order to do that, you also have to have people with the right skill set on that. Mm. Think of it in terms of a, a public company. Somebody like uh, the Boyd Group. Now keep in mind, that the district is the largest employer in the state, uh, much larger than uh, Boyd Group. But if you look at their the Boyd Group's board of uh, board of directors, they all have some skill set that's needed for proper oversight. Um, you, they could I don't know exactly what they all are, but uh, it would be great to have someone with an HR background, with a finance background, legal background, operational background, because you can bring those skills to the table then as you're looking at at oversight. And not to say that there shouldn't be educators on there, because they should be. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all part of it. But these skill sets are uh, significantly lacking. But as I recommend those kinds of things to my educator friends, they, they flip out. Uh, you know, who's going to choose the uh, choose these folks? And while I've suggested, you know, you've got five or six different municipalities here between the city, North Las Vegas, the county, Henderson, Boulder City, the rurals, perhaps the mayors of all of them, so you have uh, the populace involved with the decision-making, but Maybe out of those six, you got to get four to approve somebody with detailed outlined skill sets that are required. And they don't have to be all um, appointed. I think uh, it would be acceptable, I think, to have some, um, uh, maybe even a majority of them appoint or uh, voted right. for. But uh, you know, those things don't get very far. 
No. When you say business to a teacher or an artist, <laughs> they, they kind of freak out. Like, I get that part. I get why they're freaking out. Also, I get why they're freaking out because we have... We have in the, you know the Diane Ravitch, um, um, her books and, and what have you. We have a, a system of education that is slowly being taken over by for-profit companies. Yeah, and um, and so there's that sort of like fear of encroachment. But I also think the fear is based on on other stuff too. But when you put that out there on Twitter, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be run like a business. We should because businesses have. Businesses have a vision. Businesses um, have a mission. They have a brand. Uh, Starbucks not only sells coffee, but they sell coffee a particular way. And they are not Dutch bros, right? Mm -hmm. And if Starbucks started to do Dutch bros stuff, or if they decided that they weren't going to sell, they were going to sell beer, right? That would change their branding. And so I feel like that's what, the school district needs to. We are blank, yeah. right? But we can't decide who we are because we hire a superintendent who comes in and does one thing, and then we hire another superintendent who does totally the opposite, and then we hire a third superintendent who comes in and does something else entirely. So there's no continuity. There's no continuity with the board. I can tell you I did that story on the accidental uh, superintendent on how Jara was hired. I was there. Um, yes. Like that was, that was for our, for our audience. I, I'll actually put the link up, but for our audience, really the entire conversation was about whether or not to hire Mike Barton. Mm-hmm. And there were people who were trying to undermine Mike Barton. I, it seemed very personal and mean spirited to me, but okay. And Mike did not get the job. And then Carolyn Edwards turned around and went, well, now what? Well, maybe let's talk about this jar guy, and let's do a let's let's do a vote. Let's see how, if we have the votes. And they did. Kevin Childs. Nobody nobody expected him to vote yes. Mm-hmm. And so we got this guy. We had no idea who he was. And Linda Young was like, "I want to table this. I need to know who he is." I thought we were going to hire Barton, and they didn't do that. Yeah. See, to me, the education delivery system is made up of two components. What goes on in the classroom? And while a lot of business guys have been in a classroom, my sense is they really don't know how to educate kids. But separate and apart from that is how do you manage this fifth largest school district Mm -hmm. in the country? It takes a completely different skill set. So, but just as I don't think businesses... Uh, understand what necessarily goes on in a classroom, educators don't understand what goes on in business either. Um, I was in this conversation the other day, and somebody says, well, you, you can't treat this like a business. These kids aren't products. Yes. And I said, I didn't say they were products. I said, what, they, what you are providing is perhaps the most important service that they will ever receive in their life. You're educating them, and based on how well these kids are educated, it's going to determine really what happens through the rest of their lives, in their personal um, personal lives, their financial lives. Every portion of their life is going to be impacted by their education. And they said, oh, well, but you can't, you, you mentioned earlier uh, running for profit, which I, I think is kind of funny, but at any rate, they really freak out about yeah. that. 
<laughs> don't they don't like for profit they don't they don't like charters they don't like there's basically there's only one way to do it and that's the the public school system and i understand s- some of that i'm i'm agnostic all i care about is where a kid can get a good education mm-hmm. but th- they said uh, you can't run this for profit and i said you mean mean for money? He said, "Yes, absolutely. You can't run it at a profit." And I said, "Well, let's let's change the discussion a little bit. Think a little more broadly. What if we called the profit student outcomes? What if everything that we did revolved around how we get better student outcomes? And while we're at it, why don't we define what it is that we mean by student outcomes? You guys are the educators. Tell tell me hello what uh, what it is that you're trying to accomplish." And, you know, it it kind of takes them back a little bit because, you know, they're thinking of a typical business where they go into the store and they buy it and they either don't like the product or something like that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about something different, policies, practices, and procedures that I know will work. Okay. So this, this gets us back to the nub of the problem here, right? Um, but for JARA outcomes he i don't know i don't know what he cares about right but for he thinks that if he just dictates what people do the outcomes will be better mm-hmm. it's sort of a control thing right we had students at the beginning of the year and maybe still who could not get into school because they live with relatives and they don't have a way of proving Although that's that's odd to me because you know like your cell phone bill is comes to you at a house but whatever they don't have a way of proving that they live there and it used to be that the school decided because that's what you know making autonomous schools is about to have the school decide and now the school can't decide and there were kids who were not in school for weeks because they had centralized that decision making process. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is not about student outcomes. That's about control. Well, I, uh, Dr. Jar has his own approach. I don't. I'm not necessarily even opposed to it. All I care about is does it work? <laughs> okay. All right. I, it, okay. If he had total control and our um, not only our test scores, because I know educators get spooked out by looking solely at test scores. There are other things coming back to our discussion about student outcomes. If those things were all good. And he was a dictator. I don't even think I would care mm. because it's to me it's all about these kids. I I really believe uh, the the way out of poverty is not all these social programs and and uh, transfer payments and stuff. It's getting a kid a good education, teaching them a marketable skill, and hopefully they will have the passion to want to improve their lot in life. That's how you actually get people out of pro- poverty. Um, so if, if it takes someone that's more of an autocrat, I'm, that would be fine with me. It's about results. I'm just a bottom line guy. I did not push back on this because we weren't talking social policy. We were talking education policy. Although John Maynard Keynes would say they are the same thing. The other side of what Glenn said is that he is assuming that people are starting at the same place, have the same parents with the same parenting skills, and that after people get an education... Racism and sexism won't play a role in their future. Glenn talked about his son, who is now getting his Ph.D., but who was a diverse learner, and if not for his wife, Andy, would have been left behind by the school system. That, he says, is part of how the district is failing. 
up to as much as 20% of any given classroom are made up of diverse learners, but there's no distinction made for them. Boom. And that is what teachers tell me. That is what teachers lament. I can assure you that there was a teacher, there was an educator, there was somebody in that building that felt bad about what was happening to your son and couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, I, I, I feel that's what AB 469 was about, right? It was about letting schools serve their students in the way that they felt best. And teachers now are complaining that they can't do that, right? right. Now they have a curriculum. They have curriculum that's come down from on high. Uh, last year it was the um, English curriculum. This year it's math curriculum. And you cannot stray from the curriculum. You cannot say, you guys seem a little distressed today. Let's put this aside and talk about what's going on. And so that, vi- that anger gets pent up because the students think that you're ignoring them. Wait a minute, I thought every classroom was the same, right? Uh, <laughs> that it's all, you know, one size fits all. No, of course not. And the needs of kids uh, over on the west side and the east side are different from Summerlin and Green Valley. Um, there has to be some flexibility in that. And yet and, Summerlin and Green Valley have issue, kids with issues too. Let's not. There's no doubt yes. about it. But successful organizations will address those kinds of issues. But getting back to my earlier point about the uh, two pieces of the delivery system, there the part that I think businesses can really help with is the the organizational side of it and how you operate something this large. I, I read that uh, Atlantic story that I sent you, mm-hmm. um, the Caitlin Dickerson one, which was interesting in all sorts of ways, right? The Atlantic story to our listeners was about um, how the family separations thing came about. And... Um, and one of the things that was sort of tangential to the story, but that I found fascinating, was the way the federal government bureaucracy works when it works. And, and the way it works is that you have the people on the ground who are their subject matter experts. And they, um, they you know, they, they may like be pupfish experts, right? That's all they care about is the pupfish. And then there's somebody above them who is a fisheries guy, right? And then it goes on up, and the subject matter experts say, this is what needs to be done. It goes through the chain. The person at the end of the chain, the cabinet member or the person who works for the cabinet member says, yeah, this is really great. I trust that the expert knows what they're talking about, but they don't understand how things come together. I do. And, and that, that becomes part of the decision also, right? So we don't always get the decisions the subject matter experts want, but they're heard, right? And you transfer that to uh, a CCSD, you transfer that to a school system. The subject matter experts are the teachers. They are on the ground, they are with the kids, they understand what's going on, and they, un- they have been trained to teach. They are professionals. And... What is happening now at CCSD is that they don't feel heard. And not only do they don't not feel heard, they feel insulted. And that's a large reason why a lot of them are leaving. Health insurance, which is their union problem, is another um, reason they're leaving. The fact that so many of them, were, so many teachers were like, yo, 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 we cannot, we cannot test kids when they come back. I mean, teachers hate testing anyway. But we cannot test kids when they come back from the pandemic. The, they've just been through a trauma. We need to 
talk to them. We need to have a holistic approach. And the answer was no. And then pe people got violent and, and teachers were like, hello. Um, so talk to me about that. Like, I, I feel like, like that is a, a bureaucratic system. Like, and, and CCSD is a bureaucratic system. And I don't think bureaucracy is a bad word that can work from the bottom up if the people on the top listen, if there's information flowing back and forth. Yeah. Well, this comes back to policies, practices, and procedures in, in operating like a uh, successful organization. <laughs> okay. but He did not say the B word. He did not <laughs> say the B word. So if you, a successful organization doesn't allow for things like these climate and culture issues to uh, linger for as long as they have. Seven, it was either seven or eight years ago, I went back to Washington, D.C. with the teachers' union to uh, attend a conference on climate and culture. Well, I would argue that seven or eight years later, it's probably worse today than maybe it's, it's ever been. Mm -hmm. um, a successful organization wouldn't accept a teacher shortage Okay, the and part and part of this relates also to the climate and culture. You know, if we had a better way of retaining teachers, we wouldn't need as many new teachers to come in. Mm -hmm. But um, we are backing up there. You know, it was routinely we would have four, maybe five hundred teachers short at the beginning of the year. Now we're up to thirteen hundred, mm -hmm. and it's it's not looking any any better. Uh, retaliation wouldn't be accepted. Now, I'm not saying that retaliation doesn't happen in private sector companies. What I'm saying is it doesn't happen for very long uh, if it's a successful organization. So wait a second, though. I, I know you're going down your list, but, but let's talk about retaliation. How do you fight that? So uh, I'll give you an example. I've served on a number of public company boards of directors, and there's a, there's a hotline. And the... the uh, uh, all the employees know if there's an issue that they can call that hotline. It is a third party. Nobody, not the board, not management, nobody knows uh, who has called in. Hmm. And each, uh, each quarter, a member of the board um, was designated to sit down and talk with the folks at the hotline to go over every single issue that had come to their attention uh, since the last time they were together. Okay, so there is a hotline. I can't remember what it's called. But I have been told that if a teacher wants to call the hotline, they have to get permission from the principal. <laughs> Somehow that might defeat the purpose of the hotline. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying I don't uh, I don't know, but my guess is that's the case. Um, and and also you can tell who it is a lot of times, right? If somebody uh, works in the budget department, let's say, right, mm -hmm. and is and wants to complain about the the boss of the budget department, depending on what they're complaining about. You, it might be pretty obvious who it is. This, this is not a unique situation. Mm -hmm. All right, there's all kinds of groups out there that would love to come in and consult with the district about how to do this the right way. But it comes back to um, both doctors, Jar and Skarkowski, it, it told me on several occasions they were aware of a number, and not a small number, of building leaders that weren't up to the job. And yet it's, it stays there. Okay? It does. Uh, and I look, I understand the... Uh, 
the administrators union and, and, and how all that works, but there has to be ways to be able to deal with that better. Violence in the schools. You think these, you know, private comp- sector companies are going to allow for a bunch of fights down uh, downstairs on the floor or in the back uh, office someplace? Uh, no, and and they can't shy away from competition. I, I keep coming back to, I find it remarkable how much energy the district spends in uh, raising concerns about charter schools, private schools, and micro school, uh, micro uh, schools. Um, if they'd spend that much time focusing on how they could provide a better their uh, better service themselves, they'd be so much better off. What I would really like to see is. Um, someone, some group, to come in and if, if I could uh, wave a magic wand, I'd have them sit down with the teachers and just talk with them. Okay? What is it, what is it that you need to, to be better at your craft? And I would include uh, both union as well as non-union teachers. I'm I'm agnostic as to the union. If uh, a person feels that they need someone to speak for them, great. As I mentioned, I've done a number of things with uh, with the union, including lobbying uh, with them for the commerce tax mm-hmm. when when that came up. Uh, generally, economic development groups don't support taxes, but we felt it was important that we uh, uh, that there were additional funding that needs to go to go to education. Um, I'd sit down with the administrators, do the same thing, and, and also the support staff. What I found in my career is that if you spend time with folks that are on the front line, they'll give you all the answers, but you have to, to talk with them. One of the things that I found very interesting is uh, when I was chairman of the SAGE Commission, um, one of the things that we wanted to look at was how much money we're spending on these schools because we're looking over at charter schools and they're building schools schools for a lot less money. So I called um, Danny Thompson, who then at the time was head of the AFL-CIO, and I said, hey, can I come over and talk to you about maybe how we could uh, somehow reduce the cost of building these schools? I thought, you know, maybe give me 15, 20 minutes, talk to me, maybe a couple ideas. Uh Uh-uh. Danny brought in the heads of every single one of the trades here in in Southern Nevada, the carpenters, the electricians, the plumbers, HVAC. And we had a roundtable for a little over two hours. I couldn't write fast enough all the different ideas. And I said, has anybody ever asked you this before? And they said, no. You know, we'd love to help out, but nobody ever asked us. So we put... uh, a large number, if not all of them, in the, the SAGE report. Uh, unfortunately, um, the school district pretty much shoved it into a drawer, <laughs> and uh, as as did, frankly, uh, Governor Sandoval. Not surprising that that went into a drawer. Um, and one of the things, uh, in terms of getting people around the table, the, the, the culture of retaliation is so bad that people don't trust that you're going to get around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, committees, parent committees are formed, and then all, everybody goes, oh, look, it's those parents, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right? It's the parents who believe in a specific thing. It's not, they're not talking to me. Teacher committees are formed, and, you know, it's certain teachers, and the teachers who are, in fact, out there saying, this needs to change, this needs to change, are ignored because 
Yeah. They are. I don't know why they're ignored, actually. Well, because you're trying to change the, bureau, the bureaucracy. Right. I'm extremely pro-teacher. And I, it's it's unfortunate that they their voices aren't heard. I hear that as a frequent complaint. What I don't hear is how how they're going to get a louder voice. And some of them are saying, "Forget it, I'm leaving." Mm-hmm. And that is that's not the right answer. The right answer is how do, how do we fix the system so that they do feel more heard? So every once in a while, something will come up, and I will get a flood of private messages from people who work in the district. Mm -hmm. And this is the theme. There was no plan. (laughs) It doesn't really matter what it is. Grading, payroll system, um, this, uh, you know, have to live in your districts uh, thing. I can't remember what the name of it was. Every single time, Jara will go out and say, well, we have a plan, blah, blah, blah. And people who work for him will say, there was no plan. We wanted a plan. We argued for a long-term plan. It was just put in place. It goes from idea to off the mark. And we have no input. And and we knew this was going to happen. So if you're not going to even listen to... (laughs) And this is not just Jara, right? This is sort of... If you're not if you're not going to listen to the teachers, you're not going to listen to the people you hired to make the plans, the, the experts in their area. Then how do you run a, 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 an organization this large? Well, you might think since all those folks are well educated, many have masters and doctorate degrees, that mm, there might be a source of information there that would be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I don't understand it. And as I talk to teachers, they complain about not being viewed as professionals. And I think there are times when that's that's probably the case. But um, I just would think that they would have a a louder voice in the in the organization. That gets us to union, right? I, like I don't I don't I don't really want to go into um, CCEA for this conversation because there's mm-hmm. just that's a whole other topic. So I want to get back to this board vision. I don't know what their vision is, um, and I really would love to throw out student outcomes as a phrase because, as you noted earlier, it is so diffuse. It is so undefined, and we just kind of like rely on it. Oh, student outcomes. We haven't mm-hmm. talked about student outcomes. Um, I want to know how to get there, right? I, I want to know what the philosophy is for making sure students are educated? Actually, actually, this is part of what they have to decide, right? What, what they want students to come out of school with. Do they want them to be whole human beings that can, react, that can interact with the world? Do they want them to be knowledgeable about specific things and do well on tests? Do they want them to go to college or do they want them to go to trade schools, right? Like there are a number of things that we can define and that other school districts have defined. Um, what should CCSD be? We are a very large school district. And we're going to get to, should we stay a very large school district in a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, what should our vision be? In your, in your view, I know you're agnostic about a lot of things, but right. Glenn Christensen has been around for a long time watching this happen, occasionally stepping in and helping out. What's your view about what our school district's vision should be? You know, I I really would like them to focus on the 
skills that they're going to need throughout their life, whatever that is, you know, and most business folks talk about reading, writing, arithmetic, oh, that's great, but it's much more than that. How do we get them to uh, to be more uh, analytical in looking at various problems? Uh, how do they th think about um, communication? Okay, they're also gonna really need the communication skills. Um, critical thinking. Some of the stuff that I see going on in our world and think about well, how can you you know, come to those conclusions without thinking about this a little more critically? Every time I change the TV channel when I'm watching news, I'm, I'm critically thinking about what these people are really trying to tell me and what it is that they mm. aren't telling me. But those are all skills that they, that they need. And they're skills that they need whether they decide that they want to, uh, you know, go to college or not go to college. I used to be very um, strong support of everybody going to school. I'm not so much anymore. What I'm disappointed in, though, is we don't give those kids that don't want to go to college or are not good college um, candidates, where's their pathway? Where their, where's their exit to go be successful at what it is that they want to do? But, hey, you know what? All this stuff costs money. Right? So, <laughs> yes, money is a bottom line issue. We live in one of the richest cities in the country and have one of the poorest education systems. Mm -hmm. My experience for a long time is the conversation around uh, funding. I call it conversation, let's call it an interaction between, say, the business community and, and others in the education community. Kind of goes like this. The educators wag their finger at the business community and say, you need to invest more in schools. And the, the business's response to that is, why we, would we invest in a broken system? And the truth of the matter is that both of them are right. Mm -hmm. It's getting people to uh, understand the other side of these things, which is why I, I sometimes to, I, I enjoy it more than others, but interacting in social media with educators about these things, trying to get them to look at things in a different perspective. What I have found over the last few years is that there is more interaction. There's still not as good a communication as there needs to be. Because if you, you talk about some of the changes that from a business community perspective we think need to be made in education, you're gonna get one of three responses, maybe all three in the same one. No, <laughs> we know better than you, give us more money. Ultimately, this is a giant negotiation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really what it all boils down to. S those responses are probably not conducive to getting a better outcome with the folks that have all the money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been some real challenges in terms of credibility, not just from the district, but from the state itself, you know. What happened to the marijuana money? What happened to the commerce tax money? What happened to the mining money? And we all know that until I think now my understanding is the lockbox is in place. I'm not going to bet the, my mortgage on it, but uh, the, uh, that has not been the case. You know, we've provided these funds and then they kind of seeped out into yep. other, other areas. Um, those, that credibility issue has to get addressed as well. I, what I, you know, I've talked with some of my friends that are on the, the funding commission. I'm very excited to see the report. Uh, but I have strongly encouraged them. 
when you make when you provide these uh, what you think the amount is to get to uh, adequate funding tell the people what it is that you're going to do with that money and give them a vision of what how the students are going to be better off you, you don't like the term student outcomes I don't necessarily like it either but I would certainly like it better defined what if we give you more money what are you going to do with it and that's that's really hard to get educators to commit you know about essentially accountability and and we've got to get over that hurdle because we really I know for a fact that these these schools need more money but with the right leadership you know this isn't a flip the switch and everything's great this is a longer term thing and if we can get some strategy in there of how we're going to go about doing it it would be helpful but here again we we get these legislators the legislature turns over every two years and the next two years there's a whole group that want to come in there and fix education uh-huh. and the, the district can't keep up with it it is you know and so I spent a lot of time thinking about these things, talking to people about it. There's a, everybody recognizes we have a problem. Uh, it's about how we get the right leadership in the room to start doing some of these things. And I think uh, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why we don't. If we can just kind of set those aside for a little while and find good leaders, and there's there's a ton of them here, mm-hmm. and it, it includes that includes everybody. And I think that's going to be part of the conversation on uh, education funding. It's bad. Look, for the teachers, the teachers have to get a raise. And it's simple uh, economics. Mm. I, I did this in Econ 101 as a freshman. You've got supply, demand, and as it goes down the curve, the price goes up. That's just the way that it is. Um, and we need to do that. We need to you know, give these teachers uh, more. Uh, I think they do need more autonomy. I think they do need more evaluation. Of course, they, they go crazy when I say that because they're the only profession out there that can't be evaluated. It'll, it'll never be fair some, at any rate. And they need a lot more voice at the, the, voice at the table. But, you know, they've got to be invited. I think this is what I mean by policy. This entire conversation is what I mean by policy, right? You can't just say, okay, we're going to uh, appoint some board members and elect some board members. You have to talk about what the vision is and what kind of district we want to be and, and what in really, really define student outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to make teachers and principals and other leaders a part of that, not just somebody who takes orders. Right. No, I, I completely agree. It comes back again to the bureaucracy. It does. Okay, how do you get, how do you break through on these things. Okay, so you've used the word break. Let's uh, let's let's talk about that, and then we'll end it. Um, uh, uh, Henderson is um, b- making moves to break away from the school district. AB four sixty nine started out as let's break up the school district in two thousand fifteen, and then it Pat Skorkowski did a really great job of hustling to uh, make that just an make an autonomous school. So it's sort of broken up. Should the school district be broken up into, into what, three, four smaller districts that are e- more easily manageable? Yeah. The, um, the whole effort around breaking up the district is just uh, 
a realization of the complete frustration that the community has around education. And there's a lot. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of the other things that we didn't really get into today, but the district's got to do a lot better job of communicating the things that they do well. You have we have the number one magnet school in the country. You mm -hmm. know, when I tell people that, they look at me like you got to be kidding me. We've got a robotics prop. Uh, program that competes with anything in the country. I mean, they're unbelievable. Obviously, our arts, you would expect here to uh, to be really good. But they don't listen. They don't, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, the, those three responses are not helpful in between no, we know better than you, and uh, give us more money in trying to get what is really needed is, is more funding out of it. Um, I have mixed emotions about it. I'm not 100% on board, but I'm getting more on board only because of the resistance that you get from the district. Something has to significantly change, whether it's break up the district, whether it is appointing a receiver, something has to get done. Because um, I'm, I'm not convinced that left to themselves that they would they would do it. They could. In, in my perfect world, that's what would happen. They would take all this information, the things that we've talked about, the vision, the, the, the mission, the uh, getting people more in, involved in it, taking advantage of this huge asset that you had and the intellectual capital that you have with your teachers. Um, but I don't, I don't see it happening. So, you know, what, what do we do? I'm hopeful that at a minimum, this starts to provide a, a wake-up call, uh, not only at the district, but the legislature and whoever the, the next governor is, um, will understand that this is something that's really important to folks and, and it, it has to be fixed. So from a business perspective, I kind of hate to see things break up uh, because there's, though, there, there are reasons why it won't be as inefficient as it could be, but there's still some inefficiencies come in. But it's it's very much like a distressed company situation. Um, I'm not sure sitting here I know the right answer. Uh, I I see some advantages to all of it. I think the, I think if the bureaucracy was more responsive, that it's fixable. I, I believe that with all my heart. I just don't know that the the bureaucracy would be willing. To, to make the necessary changes. And by bureaucracy, you're, you mean not just the people at the top, but the teachers and, and principals and, and what have you, the, the entire mechanism. Yeah, well, it's, it's coming back to running a successful organization. You'd, ha that, you'd have to make a lot of policy practices and uh, procedures changes there to, to make it work. And I would argue that if a part of the bureaucracy bureaucracy is shut down. And I, I made my feelings about Jara known. I, I think he's a bad leader. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't listen to people. But if that is shut down, that you can't get people, he, he won't hear people that are part of the bureaucracy, then that's, then that's what needs to change. Like that's the first thing that needs to change is listening to people. Well, uh, again, I, the, it, that's the job of the trustees to figure out if they had the right leader in place. But I'd also point out how many times have we changed superintendents in the last... <laughs> right. And when we do, that's my, that's my point. When we change superintendents, we swing 
from his one vision to another vision to another vision. Yes. There and, needs to be a vision. Yes, and it needs to be the board of trustees vision. Mm-hmm. And that and that needs to be informed by us, mm-hmm. by all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know how to I how to, I don't know how that's going to happen. Well, and especially in an environment where you're electing them and the the candidates are at the the bottom of the ballot, nobody knows who they are, you know, and uh, and it's it's challenging. And I, frankly, uh, I don't know why people run for that office now. In my perfect world, again, what I'd have maybe a hybrid between appointed and not appointed. I'd also pay those folks. Yeah, I'd I'd pay them I'd pay them seventy five thousand dollars a year. And, and the reason I do that, I want somebody in there who, because they, they do a lot of work. I can argue that it's not as efficient as it should be, but you look at all those meetings and the things that they have to do, it's a big job. Mm-hmm. When you look at uh, members of boards of directors, you know, they're, a typical company is probably $75,000 a year, maybe more. And I'll tell you what, they don't put anywhere near the time in mm-hmm. that these trustees do. And it's not its not that they're bad people. They aren't. I think they all have a real passion for education or they wouldn't have done it because it's a thankless job. But um, they, they need some help with some of the skills required to, uh, to do proper oversight, to, to uh, assist in the vision and the mission that, that you've mentioned several times now. Glenn Christensen, thank you very much. My pleasure.